Why don't you open with me to 1 Kings 18, 30 through to 39. 1 Kings 18, verses 30 through to 39. The title of my sermon tonight is The Power Pyramid. Then Elijah called to the people, come over here. They all crowded around him as he repaired the altar of the Lord that had been torn down. He took 12 stones, one to represent each of the tribes of Israel, and he used the stones to rebuild the altar in the name of the Lord. Then he dug a trench around the altar large enough to hold about three gallons. He piled wood on the altar, cut the bull into pieces, and laid the pieces on the wood. Then he said, fill four large jars with water and pour the water over the offering and the wood. After they had done this, he said, do the same thing again. And when they were finished, he said, now do it for a third time. So they did as he said. And the water ran around the altar and even filled the trench. At the usual time for the offering, the evening sacrifice Elijah, the prophet, walked up to the altar and prayed, O Lord, God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, prove today that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant. Prove that I have done all this at your command, O Lord, answer me, answer me, so these people will know that you, O Lord, are God and that you have brought them back to yourself. Immediately, the fire of the Lord flashed down from heaven and burned up the young bull, the wood, the stones, and the dust. It even licked up all the water in the trench. And when all the people saw it, they fell face down on the ground and cried out, The Lord, he is God. Yes, the Lord, he is God. Let's bow our heads and pray. Heavenly Father, we lift up your word and we lift up your name here today. And I pray by the power of the Holy Spirit, you will enlighten it to us. And Father, we ask and pray that you will answer by fire. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Not so long ago, now it's 1949, probably one of the most powerfulest, greatest moves of God, this side of the last century came to pass. It started from un probably familiar circumstances, should we say, in the context of what you see according to the natural and who would be the catalyst to bring about this great revival. It was two elderly women, one 84 and one 86, one completely blind and the other heavily arthritic. They were two sisters. They were Peggy and Christine Smith. Now they were two women who loved God, who were devout to his word. And they looked across the current political, the, the spiritual landscape of the time, and they were grieved. They were hurt. Not one young person attended worship or church in that whole island, the island of Louis, up there in the Outer Hebrides in Scotland. They were so grieved that they went to the word and they told their minister at the time that they would begin to pray. And pray they did. 
as they began to pray, as they began to delve into the word with each other, God began to illuminate, illuminate the scriptures to them. They got their prayer leadings through that illumination of the word and they began to have visions of a church, an island full of the presence of God. They went and shared these visions. They went and shared the word with their, their minister and there was a catalyst of events that led up to even uh, the, the, the minister receiving confirmation and young men, even when they were praying, having themselves visions and falling into trances and seeing the word of God come alive and give them prayer leadings, God was beginning to move in response to his word and prayer. No sooner than all that began to take place, some short months later, God answered with fire and he answered with power. It's recorded, it's stated, you can look it up for yourself, that God began to move in such a massive way that a young group of children were at a dance, estimated about a hundred of them, minding their own business, caring about the things of the world. But the power of God reigned into that place that day and it stated that they ran for the church and out of that building as if a plague had hit it. Hardened fishermen were out at sea going about their business and the power of God would hit them so hard. They would feel a conviction of the Spirit and feel the presence of God. They would turn about anchor and they would head back into the shore and run for the church. A woman there getting ready for bed in her dressing gown was struck by the power of God. There was such a sense of power of him that all she knew to do was to quickly get dressed and head on down to the church. Men working the fields were struck down by the power of God. At another time, some hundred people or so ran down to the police station. They wondered, why are they heading to the police station? A gentleman went to the minister at the time and said, you better come down to the police station. There's an excess of 400 people there gathered around. He went down there. He believed he knew why they were there because there was a God-fearing sergeant in that police station and it was very close to the home where the two sisters used to pray. God was moving in great power through this Isle of Louis. It stated that there was such a great awareness of God and his presence and of eternal things. The church was full, they couldn't fit everybody in, but people just knew and had such a conviction of the presence of God, they knew only to run for and towards the presence. At one time, a coach turned up outside the church, and if you were to ask them, how did you get here and why are you here, they wouldn't know. It stated that they just jumped on a, a coach and knew they had to head to the Isle of Louis, to this parish where God began to move in sovereign power. They were gripped by eternal things. Now, Elijah is here in this scripture, stood before 450 prophets of Baal. Baal was their God. He was not a nice God. He was the God of fertility, he was the God of rain, and he was the God of thunder. The irony is that in that time, there was a complete drought. Let's say there was no life, there was no rain, 
there was certainly no thunder because God called a drought on that place because his people, the Israelites, were worshipping Baal instead of the living God, the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. But there one was one man who was, and that was Elijah, full of the power of the Holy Spirit. He went and confronted this situation. He then called the king who was after to kill him. And he said, go get all of your prophets of Baal, 450 of them, and meet me at this place. We read that he stood there and he made his altar. And he said, you call upon your God, I'll call upon my God, and we'll see which one answers with fire. We know the scripture, we know the story, and God responded to his prayer, to his sacrifice, to his faith, and God intervened. He brought rain to that place and he brought life to that place once again. Now, according to a natural perspective, what goes into building a natural fire? Well, it's called the fire triangle. We remember from school. What do we need for an inferno to take place? We need a fuel source. We need an oxygen source but then we need heat or an ignition or a strike to build those and all three components come together to make a fire. There are many patterns in the Old Testament that reveal New Testament truths. The tabernacle, for example, is an Old Testament picture of New Testament realities. The tabernacle was a tent of meeting. The tabernacle was where the presence of God resided back in the Old Testament and under Moses' leadership. This place where his glory resided. And inside this tabernacle were elements of furnishings that the priest would go through. Every part of these bits of furnishing point to our Lord Jesus Christ. Right in the outer courts, just before you entered into the holy place, was the brazen altar. This is where the priest would make sacrifice once a year to God. That's a New Testament picture of Christ being the ultimate sacrifice for you and I. Then they'd go forward and they'd go to the laver and the priest would wash That's a picture of Christ Jesus, whose blood has washed us of all sin, of all unrighteousness, and has made us righteous here today as believers in his sight. Once this has taken place, the priest would step into the holy place. On the right-hand side of the holy place was the table of shewbread. Now, the table of shewbread points to Christ in the fact that it is bread, and Christ Jesus is the bread of life. And the, 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 the word of God is described as the bread of life. Just opposite and directly parallel to the table of shewbread is the menorah. It's the golden lampstand. Now this golden lampstand represents light. It's the picture of the Holy Spirit. 
It's a picture of the light of Christ. It's a picture of the Holy Spirit bringing light into the world. You could say here we have our fuel. We have the Word of God, which is the Logos Word of God. You could say over here we have the part of our pyramid or the part of our triangle, which is the light of Christ, the Holy Spirit, which is our oxygen. Now you see, when the light of the menorah shone upon the table of shewbread, the Word of God, it illuminates it. You know, the Holy Spirit illuminates the bread of life. The Holy Spirit, the menorah, the bread, the Word of God enlightens the Word. It goes from being logos, just a book, just the Word, to becoming rhema. It comes to being just a book to be full of life. We have our fuel, we have our oxygen, we have our word, we have our spirit. And when they come both together, there is light to the world. There is life. It's a picture of the Holy Spirit illuminating the word to you and I. They stand side by side and together they both come to life. You have the word and you have the spirit. And that's what we need to bring this Bible, the Word of God, to life to us. To reveal its full power and to lead us according to the path of righteousness. To lead us in the Word of God. He's a lamp unto our feet. He's a light unto our path, the Bible says. Smith Wigglesworth once said, I don't read the Bible in the Greek or the Hebrew. I read the Bible in the Holy Spirit. And this is what happens when the Word of God gets enlightened by the Spirit. It comes alive. Many uh, years ago now, I was a young believer growing in the things of God, but I tell you, I was hungry for God. I remember having a 10-week journey by taxi the taxi being the Royal Navy at the time, we were embarked forces and they were taking us all the way off to the coast of Africa to a country called Sierra Leone where we would embark on some low-level uh, team training in the jungles. I had two solid weeks. There's not much to do for soldiers on, on board ship when the Navy are taking care of us other than go to the gym, run on the flight deck or whatever it might be. So I had ample of time just to read the word of God. I found a little compartment that had a chair in it that looked over the back of the sea on my journey. I'd later find out it was the captain's room that I was helping myself to at the time, but he had a very nice comfy chair and he never caught me. He didn't seem to say anything about it, but it was a lovely room. I'd sit there and I'd read the Bible. I would read and I'd read and I'd read. I'd listen to my worship. And it was as if the word of God was just coming alive to me. It was a time to really build my faith. Finally, the time of lying around came to an end and we had to earn our bit of penny now. And we embarked and we took a helicopter right into the heart of the secondary jungle, which is of Sierra Leone. It's a hard jungle. It's a thick jungle. And it's hard work. It's humidity. It's hot. But all I would dream about 
was to get to my hammock at night where I could pull up my sleeping bag over me, get my tiny little torch out and read my little pocket Bible. You see, in the back of my Bergen, everywhere I went, and to this day, I have it in its very own waterproof bag, so I could go through the rivers, I can go through the torrential rain. Wherever I go, it's protected right there with me. It's a little Bible that my grandma bought me when I was born. And this one night, it was as if this Bible was burning in the back of my Bergen, and I just couldn't get it out. But all day I had to traipse through the rivers, I had to traipse through the jungle, grafting. But all I desired to do at the depth of my heart was to get to base camp that night, to set up my shelter and to jump into my hammock, get into some nice dry clothes and open up the bread of life. That's all I wanted to do. And this night was the night. There I was, I set up my shelter, I set up my hammock, I got my dry clothes on and I managed to open up and get out the back of my Bergen, my precious Bible that I just wanted to devour more than anything. And I reached in, I unpacked it, and I got my tiny little Bible out, <laughs> still with dirt and muck all over it from those days. And I remember opening up to the word of Matthew. Now, as a young believer, this is a King James Version Bible. I didn't understand much of it, if I'll be honest with you. But there was just something about it that made me desire it. As I broke it open, not looking, wanting anyone to see what I was doing, I got my little torch and I began to break open the great mysteries and the life which I knew somehow, I don't know how, was contained in this small little Bible. A friend of mine looked over and he said, Chris, what are you doing over there? I said, no, nothing, I'm just doing a little bit of reading about a, uh, a gentleman called Matthew. I just prayed <laughs> that he wouldn't ask any more. And I continued to read. As I read, and as I read, struggling to read, but just skimming over what I didn't understand, which was the majority of it, I remember it being the book of the talents. He gave this one man this talent and he took that one from him and he... And I just all a little bit confusing. So I just carried on to read and read and read and read. But then something happened that I will remember to this day that has been a catalyst and project me to put me on the path of where I am today. It was dark. I was in the middle of the jungle in the middle of nowhere. And as I began to read, hard to explain, but as if the Bible supernaturally jumped out in front of me and went into 3D. It leapt out with me with such force that I remember it almost pinning me back on the back of my hammock. The words were illuminated to me. And struggling to read needn't be a worry because it seemed as if I knew every bit of what I was reading. In fact, whatever was being narrated to me was telling me everything that was there. I even struggled to read, to keep up, which was being revealed to me. But everything was making sense. Everything as if it was being supernaturally deposited to me. And this thing started to come alive. It was as if it was living. And this power just began to wash over me and my eyes were just opened and I could see everything for what it was. Everything began to make sense. 
in that moment, a huge, huge, mighty clap of thunder thumped as if it was by my ear and shook the whole jungle floor. I laid my Bible on my chest in absolute fear and I remember curling myself up into a tiny little ball in absolute fear of this shaking and power that just manifested itself around me. I'll continue on with that another story of what was happened next, but my illustration, what I'm trying to say here, and my revelation that day, that this wasn't any nice little book. I knew in that moment, above anything else, that this was alive. This was living. Doesn't the word say that the word of God is living, it's powerful, it's sharper than any double-edged sword? Doesn't he say that the words I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life? He says those who are sons of God are led by the spirit of God. This was living, it was powerful, and this would persuade me above all else that I was to embark on a journey and just to follow the life of this Bible wherever it leads me. I was coming alive and I knew the Word of God was alive. You know, the Bible also says that we are to take this Word and we are to fan it into flames. It says, fan into flames the gift of God that is in, within you. Do you know, it also says that faith comes by hearing and by hearing the word of God in Romans 10. You see, we're to absorb this word. And the more we absorb this word, the life of the word, the spirit of the word, our faith becomes bold. Our faith is strengthened. Our faith is awoken to ever-increasing measures. And as we fan it into flames, as we hearken our ears to what God has to speak, those who have ears, those who have eyes, let them hear and let them see what the Lord has to say. The faith begins to arise. We, we feel a fire inside of us. Jeremiah said, his words are like a fire that are shut up in my bones. And he says, I am worn out of trying to hold it in. The Word of God is like a fire in the depth of our being as it becomes alive in us. We lift up the Word and we put all of our trust in this Word and we allow this living Word to begin to lead us. Faith begins to arise and the fire begins to burn and God says that he watches over his Word to perform it. We've got the Word of God. We've got the oxygen of God, the Holy Spirit. But to complete that pyramid of power, we need one other major component. Do you know on top of every building, every tall building, every high building, there is something called a lightning rod. And this lightning rod's aim is to shorten the distance between the clouds and the earth's surface. What it does is it draws the lightning to the shortest point 
and a wire allows it to be conducted down here on earth without damaging the building. It brings the charge from the atmosphere up there and it brings it and channels it down to here on earth. Lightning always takes a path of least resistance. That's why we're called to be conductors of the Spirit of God and not resistors of it. Those who stand on the Word and the Spirit of God and trust in it start to become conductors for God. You see, Peggy and Christine Smith, they set themselves up as lightning rods. They set themselves up as conductors for God to use them and for them to be able to speak life and his promises and his power into existence. He responds to faith. He responds to his word. He watches over it to perform it. His arm is not too short, the Bible tells us. So as we arise in faith, we become lightning rods. I remember being in a meeting one day. I had laid aside my career. I'd felt a new calling. My career served me well and God taught me much in it. But I felt a new calling and a new trajectory into my life and journey with God. I left my comfortable career of 15 years and I took a leap of faith into my next journey with him. I remember twice a year, our church would have something called Holy Spirit Revival Meetings. It was just basically a week, like our Energized Conference coming up, where we would just pray and fast and dedicate Monday to Friday, every single night, a night of prayer, a night of worship, a night of bringing the word and stepping into the things of God and making ourselves like lightning rods to the living God for him to move as he sovereignly wills. It was a great time. You see, I put aside one year of my life to press wholeheartedly into the word of God. I signed myself up for the, uh, the, the, the church's Bible leadership school. One year, that was it. God, I'm consuming my life with you and learning your word the very best I can. That was my consecration. I would pray and I would fast. And I felt the energy of God beginning to build up in, with me. This word would convict me. It would begin to refine areas of my life and he would shine the spotlight of his word into my life. He would call me to lay many things down in my life that was hard, that was challenging, precious things to me. He would ask me to lay down. The areas of my life that had become strongholds, he began to tear down. It was hard work. I wouldn't say it was a nice time, but I tell you what, I was hungry. And I desired more of him and to live according to this living word that came alive to me than anything else. I had a fear and a reverence for the living God. I would then go and spend all this time just praying, just worshipping. And every service, the group of Bible students would all gather in a certain place of the sanctuary. And we'd all be hungry. We had dedicated one year of our lives to be hungry to learn the word of God. And the minister one day, he would be bringing the word of God. And as he was bringing the word of God, our faith was being stirred 
and it was arising in us. And he'd begin to minister in the spirit in response to the word of God. He was a man very gifted who moved powerfully in the gifts of the spirit. I remember one time, so hungry, that he looked to a group of us, not knowing who we were, and he said, you group, just you here, you've been hungry the whole week long. Now come here, come here. And he called us forward and he lined us up at the front of the platform. I closed my eyes and I just lifted up my heart to God. And the next thing I knew, it was as if I felt a lightning strike bolt through my head. It was like a sledgehammer hit the top of my head. It was as if it lifted me up on my feet and slapped me on the floor with such power that it was. Wow, I knew I'd been touched by something. Another time we were there all praying and we were just all pressing into God and worshipping him and lifting up his life. We were, we were, were our, our rod, uh, uh, lightning bolts or lightning rods were really being exercised. They were being pushed up and reached up in faith. And then it was as if a wave came into the sanctuary. The front row began to hysterically begin to laugh. I was quite sceptical about these things, if I was honest with you. And the second row began to laugh. And the third row just began to break out in laughter. I was on the fifth row. And the fourth row began to laugh. And I thought, oh my goodness, what's going to happen? And like a wave hit me. And I just began to hysterically laugh and laugh and laugh, just like physically, as if I felt a wave in the atmosphere just hit me. And the joy of the Lord beginning to rise up with me. I was on my knees just laughing and laughing and laughing uncontrollably. I couldn't stop it. It was lovely. The power of God was moving in such power, sovereignly in the place. At one stage, I remember on the last couple nights, it was as if the whole church got lifted up to a different realm. It was the realm of faith. It was a realm of everything is possible. We began to see according to God and a see according to his word and not according to the natural. Beautiful. It was powerful. Defining moments in my life where I've seen God move and he's fully persuaded me that I will live and walk for him with all of my heart. You see, our faith, hallelujah. You see, our faith is like that lightning rod that gets lifted up and lifted up and lifting up. Our faith arises as we take the word of God, as the Holy Spirit begins to illuminate his word as it becomes alive to us, the bread of life. As faith comes by hearing and by hearing the word of God, our, 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 our lightning rods of faith begin to arise. They begin to stir up and they begin to push itself high up into the things and for the things of God. And our praise and our prayers and our worship begins to respond to this faith, to this joy, to this life, to the spirit that begins to bubble up inside of us and this prayers and this worship and this praise begins to become a sweet smelling aroma into the heavenlies. 
You see, just before the high priest walks into the holies of holies, there he is, and he stands at a place where it's the altar of incense. And this altar of incense is like a sweet-smelling aroma into the sanctuary. Our prayer and our prayers is like a sweet-smelling aroma unto God. And he begins to listen. He begins to watch. He begins to respond. Something supernatural begins to take place. When we're a people who stand wholeheartedly on the word of God without compromise, when we allow the Holy Spirit to begin to illuminate it, as we begin to feed on it, the bread of life, the light of the world, begins to illuminate us. Our faith begins to arise. And in our, as our faith arises, our worship and our prayers and our praise also begins to arise. And then it's a sweet-smelling aroma to God and our spirits are becoming conductors for God. It's reaching up into the atmosphere and metaphorically it's as if the gap between us and heaven begins to shorten. It begins to shorten and God desires nothing more than to respond to his word and to pour out his fire and power and lightning bolt upon us like he did in Hebrews, like he's done in revivals before, like he's done in the Bible as we see and read. And as we arise, something special, something supernatural takes place suddenly. Our faith begins to arise, reaches to a point where God responds to his word and he imparts his faith to our faith. His faith imparts our faith. Kensington Temple now we're in business. Now we have God faith. We've not got our faith. We've got the faith of God. We're moving. We're living. We're breathing as if we have the faith of God himself, the one who called the world into being, the one who supernaturally moves with fire. This is the faith that we now have imparted to us and God is responding. God is beginning to move. You see, a divine, supernatural impartation has taken place. We have the faith of God. Matthew 17, 20 says, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed and you say to this mountain, be moved from here to there, it will move and nothing will be impossible for you because we have the faith of God. We become mountain movers. We become shackle breakers because now we're moving in the power of the Holy Spirit. We're entering into the holies of holies. We become the royal priesthood of the living God. We take up the rod of Aaron and we begin to move and we begin to have our way with the power of the living God. We take up the manna, the living bread of life. 
and we begin to move. Everything is coming alive around us. We're in his presence. His presence is in us and he's moving through us. Now we have the faith of God. Now the power pyramid is complete. We have the word of God. We have the spirit of God, which is illuminating the word of God. Our prayers and our praises are rising up to him. And now he strikes with a lightning bolt of heaven. The fire hits the rod of faith of our spirits and he begins to move. We have the faith of God. And now, if the divine impartation has taken place, divine intervention begins to take place. We become conductors of the power of God and we bring it through us here on earth and we begin to move. We begin to minister. Now God sovereignly begins to take over. If the ungodly and those who have drifted far away from God are in a dance, he will come in and invade that place and bring it on fire for him. He will refine them and he will call them back home. If people are out at sea going about their own business, he will supernaturally intervene. Where the words of man and the hands of man and the feet of man cannot reach, his words, his hand and his feet certainly can and he will intervene. He'll reach in to the hearts of the people and bring them alive today. Kensington Temple, we're rising up with the rod of faith in these hours and in these days. God has heard our prayers. He's heard our worship. It's like a sweet-smelling aroma to him. And what I'm telling you tonight is be ready because he's coming. Hallelujah. Jesus is coming. Glory. Glory, glory, Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come.